Welcome to the Thundercast, your martial athletics podcast produced by the fans, for the fans, with your hosts, Russ Livingood and KD Hudnall. We're bringing you the thundering word on the thundering herd each and every week. So keep it right here. The Thundercast is on the loose. Thanks for downloading another episode of the Thundercast. You can follow us on Twitter at Thundercast underscore pod and go give the page a like on Facebook. And please go to the Thundercast YouTube channel. Give that a subscribe so you don't miss any of the content that goes on over there. Uh, there's good, we got some exciting news that's going to be breaking here in a couple of weeks as far as the Thundercast YouTube channel goes. So do yourself a favor now. Go subscribe. Links to everything um, are in the description to all of the episodes. So we make it really, really easy. Russ, it was a, another busy, exciting, and um, eventful week in herd athletics. We saw some more records go down. We yeah. saw some impressive performances both individually and our teams on the fields of play. So let's just get into it. Um, I don't know where to begin. I mean, we, we don't have a featured segment this week. Let's put that out there. We're going to do five things every herd fan needs to know here in a minute. And then we're going to take you around the herd because there's so much that's going on. Um, it's going to take up quite a bit of, uh, of the episode and we're just going to push a featured segment until maybe next week until we can uh, find some more time because there's a lot going on. But before we get into it all, let's get a quick word from our sponsors at 304carwreck.com. If you've been hurt in a wreck, visit 304carwreck.com on the web or on Facebook. Matt and Jason are experienced injury lawyers in Huntington who have helped many people just like you with claims throughout West Virginia, Ohio, and Kentucky. Car wrecks, truck wrecks, and injury claims aren't just something they do. It's what they do. Find them at 304carwreck.com. Well, let's start this bad boy off, shall we? Give me five things every herd fan needs to know this week. As usual, our five things every herd fan needs to know this week is brought to you by IgniteLink, the Tri-State's premier IT management team. Number one, Tavion Kinsey is named as one of ten finalists for the Jerry West Award. You can go and vote. KD will tell you how to do so. We're going to do that how many times a day? Every day. I don't know how every, many times, but you can do it every day. I, I know you can do it once a day. <laughs> so <laughs> I'd I'm say watching. it would depend on how many email addresses you have as to how many times you could vote per day. Yeah, so some of you guys with your AOL and your uh, ICQ and uh, all the other different uh, logins that you have, vote as many times as you can. Vote early, vote often. Yeah, I mean, top top 10 finalists are now fan voting opened. Today is Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday, by the way. So fan voting opened Friday. I uh, put the link up yesterday because I finally found it. You're going to have to vote for several other awards along with that to cast your overall vote. But, you know, whatever. I don't care who you vote for or everything else as long as you vote for Tavion Kinsey for the Jerry West Award. But that's a big deal. We need to, the Herd Universe to rally around this. Make sure you cast your votes every day. Just leave a tab open on your phone that goes straight to that so you can go every day and vote. But uh, let's get behind Tavion. Let's really, you know, push the votes his way and see if we can make a difference because, man, he's had a great season. We're going to talk mm -hmm. about it a little bit more. But he's had a great season and is definitely, definitely deserving of being a, a finalist for the Jerry West Award. Yeah, and he continues to remain uh, the only player in the country, I believe, uh, top 10 in points and assists. So 
at his position, he's he's right there. You know, mm-hmm. so uh, it, it's a great honor to to be uh, a semifinalist uh, on the watch list, all that stuff. He is now one of 10 in the nation. So we have got to show our support of him and do what we do as herd fans. And let's bring something like this home. Yeah, we don't like to lose online polls or votes. <laughs> so uh, and, and we know what it's like. Fan voting, it doesn't matter. It's whoever's team's fans vote the most, that player is going to receive the most vote. That's just it. People aren't going to get on and go, you know, Tavion Kinsey's had a great year. I'm going to vote for him. They're going to vote for whoever the guy is of the team that they cheer for. So we need to do the same. We've got to keep pace and outpace because our guy just deserves it flat out. And for those of you with the benefit of watching this on YouTube, I want to tell you that if you have a bot system, do not (laughs) – do that that would be <laughs> illegal we don't want to do that uh so please do not do a bot system uh to where seventy thousand say votes come in a day from your bot system that would be <laughs> illegal uh anyway herd fans let's bring this home all right number two i think this is super cool and uh <laughs> because we're going to talk about it a little bit more again and around the herd but Macy Majoy is named the Sunbelt Conference Women's Field Athlete of the Week. When this award came in, she had broken the um, uh, pole vault two consecutive times. A little spoiler alert that uh, raised up another notch. Uh, when <laughs> we're going to talk about it in Around the Herd, but how cool is that? Yeah, it's really cool. And actually, the Sunbelt Conference, when they tweeted that she was the field athlete of the week, did not give her all of her flowers because all they said was she broke the record. You know, they didn't indicate that she had done it two weeks in a row at that point. Well, guess who did? We did, because that's a huge accomplishment. And it doesn't take that much, you know, research to go, wow, this wasn't one just a record broken. It was her record broken twice in consecutive weeks that is a huge deal super cool very deserving of being named sbc women's field athlete of the week and of course we're seeing that she's in she could be in the running to get it yet again yeah or we'll talk about it maybe we'll talk about it in a little bit but uh anytime someone gets a player of the week uh any kind of conferencing nationally conference regional whatever we got to give them a shout out and, yeah, uh, and just uh, loving what we're seeing from our track and field. Again, spoiler alert: we're going to be talking about a lot of good things here in a in a little bit. But <laughs> shocker, yeah. Uh, moving on to number three, baseball stadium progress. We've seen a lot of people over the years, understandably so, that say, "I'll believe it when I see it." Well, they're not putting in a Kroger over there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can check out the newest photo and you'll see the view of what would be from behind home plate. You can see uh, dugouts on the left and the right, the progress that they have on that. And you kind of get a field position on where this field is going to be and uh, what it's going to face uh, looking from behind the plate toward the outfield. Yeah. Can we put that to bed now? At this point, can we put we, out? We can. I, We've been wanting to for a long time. We've been telling everybody for a long time and not to beat our chests because a lot of people said, hey, there's been people beating their chest about this for decades. And I get it. But this is different. And it, yeah. it has been different from the start. And there are still people that are like, 
ah, it won't come, you know, now it's like, oh, no way it can be ready by March 24th. Who cares, man? This is the <laughs> most progress that we've seen ever. Ever. Yeah. yeah. And it doesn't have to be finished if there is a field of play by March of 24 so the season can get kicked off here. I think that you're seeing some great hope here turn into great realization that this is 100% happening mm-hmm. and it will be ready whether they have the practice uh indoor practice stuff the meeting rooms all that stuff if it's not done who cares yeah. you know we, we, we want it will be done right yeah so i mean we ultimately care, but we by, need a stadium with a field of play that we can play home games on and yeah. that's that's really the the clincher right and and yeah. i fully think unless something wild happens yeah. there's they'll hit that deadline right yeah. because it's it they want to hit that they know that this is a very very important thing a very important benchmark that needs hit and a lot of people are watching a lot of people are paying attention right and it's just one of those things we're going to do this as someone that is in the construction industry from the providing equipment aspect and i have seen a lot of job sites in my time i have not I can't personally say I've talked to someone to confirm this, but from my eye, it looks like they are either on schedule, if not ahead of schedule. Yeah. And a lot of that is, you know, in the winter around here, sometimes you might not have good working conditions for two or three weeks in a row. And we have not hit any of that yet. Yeah. You know, we've had a little bit of dusting of snow and then right back the next day is, okay, let's get started again. So it from where they're at right now, it it's looking really, really good. And yeah. to get a playing surface down and then getting lights put up and they have a place, who cares if by opening day they don't have the meeting rooms done? Yeah. You know, you you want that. If it doesn't get done, the field surface is the one hundred percent thing that needs to be done. The stands so people can go there and watch it. Mm-hmm. I have a hundred percent faith that this will be done on time for our home opener on uh, the 24 season. And I, I get it. Right. Because if you're just a regular guy who doesn't really know a lot about construction and all that goes into it, like I don't, but you know, I, I'm, I realize that progress is being made where I see, you know, you can look at some of those pictures and go, man, I just see a hole in the ground. I just see piles of dirt. You know, that doesn't speak progress to me. And for a lot of people, they might need to start see the, seeing the actual construction come upward, you know, until they're like, ah, oh, we're finally doing something. I get it. I get it. But, uh, there are industry professionals and, you know, you are, in the in the equipment rental business and you have more knowledge than i do but there are people that go no 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 they're making real progress you know they're this isn't just a hole in the ground they're not just moving dirt from one side of the you know lot to the other this is there's there's big progress being made so have a little faith and sooner rather than later we're going to start seeing you know bricks and and block coming up out of the ground and you'll yeah, see when, when the steel comes up yeah. and they start putting that up for the base but again, you know, you look down there on 4th Avenue at the uh, Brad Smith School of Business uh, Center that's going in. The steel went up quickly, mm-hmm. uh, but now they've been doing a lot of stuff around. Well, that is doing indoor stuff. On this playing field, the The main thing is the site prep, and a lot of that's already yeah. been done. Yeah. You know, the, the below ground irrigation, the uh, drainage, all Huge. of that stuff. 
that that has to go up first and we're talking about we already have the basis for the dugouts we have the basis for the uh uh backstop you know uh, Mm -hmm. all this stuff that was going below grade and everything putting up some stands is going to be nothing right you know press box and stands and stuff like that yeah it's going to take a little time for finishing but like we're talking about one month they'll have the steel up and all the stuff around that up and then they can start worrying about all the other stuff but the field is looking great right now from where i look yeah hell yeah now think about it another thing we all know what it's like when it gets to the heavy rain season in hunting we yeah. all know that yeah. so think about where that field's setting think about that weather inevitably going to be coming in in a handful of months and if you don't have your site prepped you have halted construction yeah. for who knows how long right yeah. so it's paramount that this gets right the first time and everything is is able to move water away from where you need to work and I think you'll see. You'll see when it starts raining heavy and and Fifth Avenue is underwater, but the stadium has still got construction going on. You maybe then some folks will go, oh, well now I see. <laughs> I get it now. They're kayaking down Fifth Avenue, <laughs> but there's construction going on on a baseball stadium. I get it. Okay, maybe well, it's the legitimate work. I I would say that by late summer when they've had several months of of great weather, so like you know, late summer getting ready to go into the fall when August turns into September, it will look a lot closer to a baseball stadium at that point. Mm-hmm. But again, they're not they're not building Great American Ballpark in Cincinnati. They're not building something like that. We're gonna have seating for twenty five hundred or something, you know, seating for four thousand, whatever it ends up being. We're not talking about that this has to be some great big coliseum or arena or or stadium. This is a place where the surface is the main draw mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. uh we need to we need to have a playing surface mm-hmm. and to be able to to get that done first and then you, the, your stands and your press box and all that is going to come next i i have a great feeling that they're not going to start on the uh, ancillary buildings and such until much later yeah i would agree yeah i would agree yeah all right, so let's move on to number four. Here's a little bit of exciting news. Uh, late breaking, very late last night. Mm-hmm. This went from something that we were going to talk about that was more about, hey, here's one external name that has been tied to this, to now we can confirm that defensive coordinator for the upcoming season will be Georgia Tech's linebackers coach from yep. last year, Jason Seymour. Yeah, it had been reported, and we had reported that, that he was the special teams coordinator slash Nichols and safeties coach, and that's what his role was going to be in 2023. He was the linebackers coach for uh, 2022 for uh, Georgia Tech. But uh, he's been in the coaching game for a while, been around, and uh, had some success. Now, there, it, it, I guess it depends on what your – um definition of success is but not that long ago just back in 2021 i think the the stat point that's sticking with most folks is 2021 he was a defensive coordinator at valdosta state in georgia and they were national champs so he he orchestrated a national championship uh defense just a couple of years ago got the got the call up to uh georgia tech uh in 
again for his second stint in 2022 to be the linebackers coach prior to going to Valdosta State in 2021. He was a defensive analyst for the Yellow Jackets in 2019 and 2020. But he's been a defensive coordinator several times throughout his career. He's been in the coaching game since 2006, uh, where he started out uh, as defensive coordinator at Round Valley High School in Arizona. He's originally from Arizona, by the way. Played uh, his ball at Adams State. And uh, I don't know about you, but every time I hear Adams State, I think about that Key and Peel East-West Shrine all-star skits that they do because one of the guys went to Adams State. But anyway, they, they – Fairly, fairly uh, quick trajectory, right? Uh, started out in 06, then goes to Colorado School of Mines, then back to Adams State as a uh, co-DC and uh, special teams coordinator, then up to Tulsa, Oklahoma State as a defensive assistant, back to Colorado School of Mines, over to Montana as a uh, special teams coordinator and defensive coordinator the following season, then over to Temple. And that brings us to Georgia Tech, Valdosta State, and Georgia Tech again. And now as um, – defensive coordinator for the herd now what's that mean heck he inherits one hell of a defense that's loaded with players and playmakers so i'm interested right now i'm really interested you're walking into a really good situation huff must like what he sees right because we we've put the trust in huff before and it's paid off we brought in lance gidry and i remember when they hired lance i had some people some some um friends of ours that aren't marshall fans that are fans of other schools were like Good luck with that, you know, and we saw what happened, you know, just because he wasn't successful as successful at, say, FAU, where um, those some of those fans had words like, oh, great, you know, Marshall's going to be cake now. Well, see what we were able to do, what he was able to do when he was uh, able to do what he wanted to do with his type of athlete, his type of scheme, turned mm -hmm. us into a top 10 defense, top 25 nationally, and God, how many categories was it? Like 20 categories? All of them. Yeah, every of the categories. <laughs> so um, Huffman's got an eye for talent, right, both on the field and on the sidelines. So I'm intrigued. You know, of course, I'm not trying to take any shine away from uh, Coach Seymour because we're really excited to have him. But now my a lot of my attention turns to what are some of the uh, moves that are going to be made with our assistants, right? Because we're all really high on Shannon Morrison. We're all really high on Ralph Street. Mm -hmm. And uh, – uh, Chevis Jackson, and and we want to know, you know, will those guys be retained? Because they did a fabulous job, yeah, um, with their particular units. And uh, but you know, there's always change with with a coaching change, and a coordinator's a big change. So we'll see how that goes. But uh, I'm really excited, I'm happy. Now we know who's heading up the defense. Uh, so far, now let's put this out here as well. So far. It's not one of those co-defensive coordinator type positions. Right. Maybe maybe that evolves into that if, you know, it, based on some of the staff moves, we'll see. But um, I'm excited, man. I'm ready. How about you? Yeah, because right now, what do we have? This confirmation obviously has not come from Marshall or anything, but he, on his Twitter profile, yep. he has changed. He is coming to Marshall. Uh, yep. You know, he, he has put that on there. It's official. Um, but he did not put what his title is. So we play a little bit of a guessing game, waiting game. It just seems like right now that that's what he's being brought in for. However, well, no, 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 it is. It is because I tweeted the profile pick, right? He tweeted, right. But if you go to his uh, um, profile, his uh -huh. bio says defensive coordinator, Marshall University. See, I missed that. Yeah. Okay. So that is um, 
why I am confidently speaking about this because he himself has put in his bio defensive coordinator, Marshall university. Yeah. I was waiting to see if it said, like you said, co-defensive right. coordinator. Not at this but, point. Yeah. And I'm saying that might, it may turn into that, you know, if, if we, I, I don't want to speculate. Right. I don't, I don't want to speculate, but I'm, I'm just now interested to see what we do. If there will be further staff changes on that side of the football, because man, I don't want to put too many ripples in that pool. Cause it was a, it was a damn good pool to swim in. Yeah, you know, last year. All right, so uh, let's move on to number five. This is not something that we have seen on the athletic fields. This is something about us and us supporting athletes and uh, the teams that we root for. But as most of you guys know, we have done uh, a lot of tailgating. Last year, we had. Uh, Sponsors that uh, helped us put on tailgates before our football games. And we want to do a lot more of that this year. And we're going to start not just be doing it in the fall. So what do we have coming up very soon? We've got the green and white game yep. for football. And it's April the 22nd. And we will be having a hell of a blowout of a tailgate uh, with several smokers and uh, a lot of food and a lot of good times, and we really want to have a bunch of people stop by. That just happens to be the same week uh, weekend that Marshall will be hosting James Madison, JMU, over there for a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So since we're already going to have everybody in town, we have all the, the gear here, we're going to have a, a big tailgate during that JMU series as well. Yep. So we're going to get a bunch of people to come to softball. We're going to get a bunch of people to come to the green and white game. Uh, we want everybody there, man. Everybody come and support the teams, get geared up for what's going to be a great football season. We hope for, uh, but at that point we will have already seen that will be toward the end of the softball season. So just want to have a bunch of people there celebrating. So a couple things, right? A lot of times uh, folks are super excited for the spring game because it starts to get the juices flowing for football season again. And and mm -hmm. we've, we will have been removed far enough from it that we're starting to really long for football. Mm -hmm. And uh, there will be a lot of talk and a lot of chatter about, you know, who's making waves at what positions and where the battles are and, you know, what this unit looks like in that unit, like we always do. And it's a lot of fun. So we're trying to take this, spring game experience that you know it's i'm not going to call it ho-hum like the tailgating aspect it can be mm -hmm. fun but mm -hmm. it's not nearly as organized as a game day right because it's not a game day yeah. well we're trying to make it easier to have a great time right because we'll have spots we'll have plenty of room we're going to have lots of great food let me say that again lots of great food if you happened to have come by our opening week tailgate last season in 2022 and you got your hands on some of that food that was churned out at that tailgate that's the type of stuff you can expect to have again at this one and there will be plenty of it so we want to be a part of your spring game tailgate if you don't have a spot if you you know you're going to the game you don't know where to hang you can hang with us right it, we're going to be there for people to fellowship and talk herd and eat and drink and be merry and have a great time. Also, along with that, this softball series will probably be a huge series. James mm -hmm. Madison's really, really good. And that should be um, based on what I kind of saw. We'll talk about this in a little bit. Um, you know, I went to see the softball team play yesterday and boy, they're a fun group. So this could shape up to be one that really matters for something late in the season 
And uh, we want to put a constructed huge effort to get people over to those uh, games that entire weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. But we're going to try to do something super special on Sunday to not, A, conflict with spring ball, the spring football game, and B, give them their attention. Give them, yeah. make the focus about softball. Drive people yeah. over to the dot so that you can see, damn, this is a good time. Yeah. And 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 we just we want to open more folks eyes to how fun it can be. So this is not just a spring, not just a Saturday for the spring. game. It's a spring game weekend mm -hmm. that uh, we are planning ever evolving plans. Right. We anything else comes up, we're going to add it to. And but right now we've got an excellent plan and we want uh, we, we're just letting everybody know now If you don't have a plan, but you want to be a part of something. You can come be a part of the Thundercast weekend that weekend. It's going to be a great time. Yeah. One of the things that we need is uh, we don't need it just would help if we got uh, some sponsors that would be interested. Uh, if you want to help get that food for making sure that we have more than enough, we are more than happy to trade off some advertising, promote your brand, uh, really make this include you. Uh, you can bring clients, whatever you want to do. We want to include you in this and help be part of that. But when we're talking about we could be having a couple of hundred people, mm -hmm. that's a great opportunity for someone, a small business, a large business, whatever business that may want to help try to promote their brand to be a part of this. We're more than welcome to, to bring you on and we can just provide even more food uh, in that capacity. And well, we haven't even talked about, we will be doing Thundercast live over there. So we yeah. will have live shows and, you know, based on if you're interested in being a sponsor of that, I'm sure we can work out some kind of way to mm -hmm. highlight you and your business uh, during those broadcasts. Uh, they, they are often a lot of fun and um, it's just another way to reach that local client base that you're hoping to reach right in the, in the, mm -hmm. in the Huntington, you know, tri-state region. Uh, that's who the herd fan. That's where the majority of the herd fans are, and that's where your business is. And we want to help you connect with those people, because, like we say always, it's herd fans helping herd fans. And if we can do that, then that's another box we get to check. But just take note: uh, Green and White Weekend is going to be a great weekend. Mark your calendars if you don't have a plan. If nothing pops up and you don't have something else to do, and you're like, "Man, I'd like to go, but I'm not sure where," I'll... you fit in with us. We don't even you don't even have to worry about it. You fit in with us. Come on and hang out. We'll have a great time. We'll get our bellies full. We'll talk about the herd. We'll go watch a little football. Then the next day we'll get up and do it all over damn again, except at Dot Hicks Field for some dot magic. It's going to be great. Well, that brings an end to our five things. Good, positive things yet again this week. And as always, those five things are brought to you every week by Ignite Link. The Tri-State's premier IT management team. Great fellas, man. We can't thank them enough for helping us bring uh, five things every herd fan needs to know every single week to all of our listeners and viewers. You're right. It was a very positive uh, thing. Some big news. I can't wait to dive deeper into the defensive coordinator hire. And, and as more information comes out about that, uh, what we might expect this herd defense to look like, if it will look a little bit different uh, than what we saw last year, but uh, big news. I mean, lots of individual accolades going out, like you said, and some team stuff. And I mean, good stuff, but for now, we got a lot to cover, so let's continue and take it around the herd. All right, we're going to start off with tennis. And as you may recall, when we were 
doing the show uh, last week, the match ended right while we were doing the show, and KD brought you the uh, up-to-date score on that Penn State game. Well, the very next day, we uh, hosted uh, VCU, Virginia Commonwealth, and we beat them. Or I'm sorry. We lost to them yeah. four to three. Um, we had wins by Emma Vander Hayden and Johanna Storm in doubles. Johanna Strom in doubles. This is the only mistake I'm ever going to make. Johanna on show, the but... Thunderstrom. Like. <laughs> um, we also in doubles, uh, Gabrielle Clairot and Reiki Geller. And we had a singles... We get down to it. Win by Johanna Strom again, and a singles win by Aisling McGrain. So we ended up coming up just shy. Yep. That uh, has been uh, kind of a theme these last few few different matches and meets and everything. So unfortunately, it has. And yeah. you know, we started off hot three and zero. And, uh, you know, they eked by Kentucky four to three, but then they dominated the, the, the second two to start off three and zero. And now we've seen a three match skid and it's been far tighter. Like they're right in them and then, you know, lose it at the end. And that's, that's kind of a bummer. And that VCU one was just the first of, of, uh, a few to start this skid. Well, the second, Penn State was first. Yeah, second. And the end of that was this Friday up at Morgantown, where WVU also beat us 4-3. to three. But we picked up wins by uh, Vander Hayden and Strom in doubles, and Aisling McGrain and Sophia Hurion in doubles. Then, uh, let's see here. Dorotaja Joksovich won in singles johanna strom won in singles and we had two different singles matches where they lost seven to five yeah in the last set and that is what flipped us from could have won four to three overall and we lost three to four so i was following along on the timeline right on this match just because you know tennis was going on and i was paying yeah. attention and we were up three to one and I was like, man, we're going to cruise to this one. And then it yeah. just kind of fell off a shelf. And I was like, damn it. You know, because, I mean, I, I guess anytime, it, it's just anytime you're playing Western, you want to beat them. You just want right. to beat them. You yeah. don't want to lose to them. And I thought, man, we're going to go up there in Morgantown and, you know, win convincingly. And it just three to one. And I thought, God, I just need one more, just one more. We weren't, we weren't able to get it. And, but bummer. But the season moves on, right? And it's uh, important to note if you go to Herd Zone or on the app, which we're constantly telling you to download, um, the when you look at the box score, it will actually tell you because they're most of them are playing at the same time, mm -hmm. so it will tell you the order of finish of these matches and everything. So when you're looking down here, it might say, "Well, we won our first four. I can't believe." Well, that's that was just match one. It might've been the third that ended or whatever. So just note that on the box score, just a quirky thing about how they're listed because they're all played simultaneously. But um, yeah, we, we ended up a couple of seven and five right at the end. Could have pulled that out. We would have won the, uh, the overall four to three. Mm -hmm. All right. Also uh, very good meet at the Marshall invitational for track and field. The women ended up winning overall, and the men came in second overall. 
So let's talk a little bit about what went down on Friday. And we had history yet again by Macy Majoy. <laughs> third, <laughs> third straight meet where she broke the record for the, the pole vault record. The pole vault. And this time it was 4.15 meters. Dang. So it was like 4.03, then 4.1, now 4.15. I hear you. you. Yeah. We're not just like barely getting over that. We're, we're raising it up pretty good. So, um, other first place, uh, finishes, uh, Ian Johnson won the men's pole vault, Rebecca Merritt, the women's weight throw, Timothy Snyder, the men's weight throw, and Alicia Wood in the women's high jump. Now, that was all on Friday. To finish on Saturday, uh, again, the Thundering Herd women after Saturday ended up being the overall winner. Here it uh, comes. Here top, it comes. <laughs> top finishes Saturday included two school records. Here broken. it comes. With Kylie Maston in the eight hundred, and hold on, I want to get the time first. <laughs> Two minutes eleven point six seven seconds for Kylie Maston, and, and Ab- Abby Herring <laughs> broke yet another school record. <laughs> this one was in the three k, nine minutes forty seven point four seconds. The women won four events in total on Saturday. The men saw uh, wins from Kazuma Boeing. In the mile, uh, he had four minutes, 12.12 seconds. Fastest mile by any martial athlete yep, this saw season. That. Cool. Joshua Bowers uh, had a season best day in the in the 60, and uh, that was a 6.88, and that was by far lower than, I don't know if you remember, but the first meet that they had this year in January Everyone was just right under. Wasn't it that like seven. six nine eight, six nine yeah. eight, and seven? There, there was six point nine, six point nine five, six point nine eight, seven, yeah. something like that. There was like almost everybody was seven or right under, yeah. and uh, he did a six point eight eight. So he shaved off uh, quite a bit in a sixty. That's yeah. that's shaving off quite a bit. Um, they also had uh, the um, alumni come by and uh the seniors for saturday mm-hmm. because it was kind of rounding out their uh marshall invitational you know the last home meet that they're going to be doing here they they really wanted to have as many people there and it's a great thing that this was the year that they brought back track so to have some alumni there it was a pretty special day especially to see uh first place by the women second place by the men yeah so it's like women that's consecutive meets now that they've yep. won uh very impressive stuff and the men's trajectory continues to rise obviously because there was no team last year and now they're yep. they they take second in the marshall invitational so you gotta love it man chef small and, and uh caleb bow and those guys and everybody on the coaching staff um hats off to them for you know um every week we just see records fall we see new records set. I mean, this is just great stuff. I really hope more and more folks every week when we get on here and do Around the Herd, I hope more and more folks go, dang, I am really going to start paying attention to track and field, or I'm glad I started following track and field. This stuff is exciting. It's really exciting. I'm really happy for both of those programs, all those coaches and athletes. It's so cool, man. And now they get to take those talents and and all these records that have been falling over the last three, four weeks 
and take him to the Sunbelt Championships coming up on February 20th and 21st. I am here for it. Same, man. And we have been talking all kinds of times about various sports, how it doesn't matter if you win the overall meet. I mean, again. Yeah, you want want to. we, We want to. But it matters about competing against yourself and your own times as much as it does competing against the other athletes that are in there. But anybody that has ran a race or done any kind of competition like this, you know that the other athletes kind of push you Mm -hmm. to do your absolute best. So you're not just doing it on a practice facility, running against your own clock. You're running against the people right next to you. You're jumping against the people right next to you. You're throwing against the people right next to you. So all of this kind of leads up to the track and field uh, championships of the various different levels. And the first one that we have is the indoor, and that's coming up February 20th and 21st for the Sunbelt Conference. So that's the first one that we'll be getting out of the way. That'll be coming up in uh, next Monday and Tuesday. So we'll we'll have a lot more about that uh, on a little bit next week, you know, previewing. Hopefully, man, I don't know. Hopefully they'll throw that up on uh, – ESPN plus or something. I would love yeah, that would be, be really cool. You know, I mean, they don't do that for most of the things throughout the, you know, the individual meets, but for it being the Sunbelt championships yeah. of the yeah. indoor, it'd be really cool to be able to, to follow. Yeah, I agree. I, and I understand why you don't do individual, you know, meets because, Hey, you might be competing at a school that's not an ESPN school. Right. But, right. or like, and then Chris Klein athletic complex, like it's probably not, outfitted to be able to broadcast a meet you know so but for the championships i hope that they're at a venue that is for that that or that is set up to do that and it would be really cool to be able to watch some of our uh record setters and high performers like make a final go of it at these indoor championships that would be super cool i haven't looked to see if that's going to be available i'm just saying if keith gill's listening which he probably is then he he, we really want you to make that happen yeah keith call us call us us, man well let's make something happen all right we're going to switch it on over to softball and again you were there in person for Mm -hmm. the third game here that we're going to talk about but they uh got four games in down there at florida and they opened the season on Friday with an 8-1 to victory against Portland State. They ended up losing to Butler 7-6 to on Saturday day. And then mm-hmm. Saturday afternoon to evening, they beat Colgate 5-4. to That's the game that you were at. And then early this morning, uh, they got a rematch with Butler, and they won 7-3. to Yep. Uh, before you give your little recap, I want to let everybody know that next weekend they will have five games in the Chattanooga Challenge. And KD, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw something at you here. It's gonna be a, a tough one. Okay. It's my best pitch. Where is the Chattanooga Challenge? Right next. To... <laughs> I'm, I'm like I'm not gonna. <laughs> but uh, I was going to say right next to Shorty's Meat Market in Chattanooga. No, no, no. <laughs> I was going to say, well, I did say that, obviously. Anyway. Uh, no, it's, it's in Chattanooga. It's in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Yeah, it wasn't a, wasn't a trick question. I know that, but the, <laughs> that, that's, you know the punchline of the joke. I do, I do. <laughs> but anyway, uh, no, it was uh, it was super cool, man. Um, we saw some, um, saw them go three and one. 
on the uh on the weekend and uh, it was a big big win Friday, I guess to 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 start things out. Yeah. Saturday's early game was a rough one because uh the herd had rallied to tie the game yeah. in the seventh and uh, then lost it in extras, and that was a rough one, you know. And then I sh- we showed up, we were able to make the afternoon game up in uh, Leesburg. It's about an hour and twenty minutes north of me, and. That was a pretty big tournament. The complex there was pretty cool. They had like three or four different fields, you know, with like the centralized uh, concession stand type deal. And uh, there were some big schools there, big like Big Ten schools. Minnesota was there. Michigan was there. We saw, you know, Portland State, of course, who the herd played Butler and Colgate. Um, I even saw Western Kentucky there um, and the herd. There, there was a big, big tournament. And the game that I saw the herd play Colgate uh, was actually – Colgate's second consecutive game. They had just gotten done beating Minnesota when I got there. And then they turned right around and played the herd. And I'll tell you what, even though that game what ended five to four, it never should have been that close. And I'll tell you why. Um again, I'm not I'm not the one to call balls and strikes, argue balls and strikes, but that umpire behind the plate was being so inconsistent um, to Sid Nestor. It was egregious. I mean, for six of those seven innings, it was egregiously bad. She could that they were. She was not given a an area to work. Right, like you you weren't getting the inner half of the plate. You weren't getting the outer half of the plate. You weren't getting the corners. Like it, she wasn't calling them high or low, so you didn't know where to put it. Right, mm-hmm. and m- so many pitches. I mean, my wife, you know, she's a she's a softball, former softball player, high school softball player, and she's sitting there going, I don't know what more she can do. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like she was like, This is frustrating. And I'm not I don't even have a player in the game. This is just frustrating to watch it because she's not getting any feedback on where she can place the ball. But she just kept on freaking fighting. And uh when it came to crunch time, boy, she got dialed in. Man, she got dialed in. That mitt was popping all game long she she lost no velocity it was an amazing effort Sid Nestor's the real deal uh, this was the first time I'd seen her in person I was excited to see that and she did not disappoint man what an effort but let me tell you where the the game turned okay this is where Marshall got a little flustered because there was a there was a little bloop into foul territory right on the over the third base side and um Sid Bickle was on a line to go get that ball, man. And she made this unbelievable diving catch in foul ground to what was called an out. The third base umpire called it an out. And they met, the, they, then they thought about, no, let's, let's talk about this. And that umpire was overruled. He was literally a foot away from the call. And he was overruled, and they... You know, took everybody back. All right, out comes off the scoreboard, batter back to the batter's box, and um, Colgate busted for four runs off of that extra life. It was it was bad, man. That changed the trajectory of the game, and Marshall couldn't get anything going. They were down um, four to three at that point, and a couple of innings went by, fourth, fifth, sixth. They just couldn't get it going. And then they busted the bats out in the seventh, a couple big doubles, Um some uh, some slappers that moved the runners over, put ourselves in scoring position, and ultimately uh, we ended up plating two, 
And uh, when Sid came out for the bottom of the seventh and walked into the circle, I knew, despite all that she had faced with this umpire and uh, not getting any calls, I'd somehow I knew Colgate stood no shot. Like she was dialed in and locked in and was like, all right, that my, my team got me the lead back. You guys have no shot. And she went out there and put on a clinic in the bottom half of that seven. It was awesome. This team is gritty. They do not quit, much like we talk about the women's basketball team. Never quit. They're never out of it. Dude, they just didn't freaking quit. It wasn't going their way. They got a little flustered after that overturned call. They gave up some runs, but they regrouped, and they they just kept on chopping wood. I mean, I can't say enough about them. You know, last year we would have just been like, all right, no big deal. We'll We'll knock two or three out of the park, and we'll be back in this in no time. And that's just not how this team's really built this year. I mean, Autumn Owen took one out in the game that I saw. Um, but everything else was, you know, a uh, gap shot here, moving a runner over there, that type of thing. It was cool, man. They didn't quit. They pulled out the win. The, the lightning alarms went off with two outs in the bottom of the seventh. And uh, Sid had uh, like a 1-1 count on the batter. And the alarms went off and they wanted to stop the game. And the person who has to go into the dugout to tell the coach it's uh we got a delay, like everybody in the crowd was like trying to hold her up from getting into the dugout, like asking questions, like talk, hey, take a slow walk here, whatever, whatever. And uh, Sid was able to get off three additional pitches, and that was enough to end the game. Awesome, awesome way to close that one out. I was so glad that I was there to see that one in person. I cannot tell you get to the dot as often as you can this season. This team is so entertaining to watch. So entertaining. You will not be disappointed and it's free. You can't beat that. Hearing all that about what she went through in that adversity. Let's go over her season stats so far. Yeah. Keeping in mind that they have played four games. Three appearances, three games started, three complete games, 21.0 innings pitched. Five earned runs only in those three games, in three complete games for an ERA of 1.67. Unbelievable, unbelievable start to the season. Uh, Marshall sits now at three and one. Of course, all three games that uh, Sid has started, she's three and oh. And uh, they dropped that other one seven to six. Uh, just a heartbreaker of yep. that uh, on that loss. But uh, a lot of a lot to look forward to. Totally different team as uh, anyone that listened to what uh, Coach uh, Smith Lyon said that they were going to be a different team this year is more about get them on, get them over, get them in, mm-hmm. and um, that's what they're doing. And it's it's great to see. Again, that Butler game already getting to come back and do a little bit of revenge and beating them convincingly earlier today. So let me let me clarify a couple things. There's okay. still plenty of pop in this lineup. Sure, right. there is. Automo yeah. and can take them out any moment. Yeah. Um, uh, Bub Faringa has got to pop. There's two. There's three, four, five gals that can do it at any moment. You know, with any swing. And there's still three, four other girls that can take them out. Uh, if they get the right swing on the right pitch, so don't get it twisted. But what you know, what it is is, I just don't see Marshall leading, being one of those top teams in the country in home runs this year type deal. But uh, there, there's there's still plenty of firepower in, in the lineup. 
But uh, one other thing about Sid that I got to talk about. Um, I don't know what her strikeout numbers are. You didn't mention that, but let me just They didn't have them listed. Okay, whatever they are, you need to add about five to that, at least from the game that I saw, because there were many five, six, seven times that that a player should have been rung up and walking back to the dugout on... I, I can't imagine what the size of that strike zone was. I mean, it was hard. It was it was tough. But that's just it just speaks to how really good that she is uh, to have to deal with something like that and and still come out victorious. Just an awesome effort yesterday. So do yourselves a favor. Get out and see these girls at at home every weekend series. Every series they're at the dot. You gotta be there. You've got to be there. They are so fun. If you go once, you'll go back. Guarantee it. I guarantee it. They are that fun. Where are we going to now? We're going to women's basketball, and they have been rolling. As most of you know, they had uh, six wins in a row, and five of those they were trailing at halftime. And we just keep seeing this team scratch, claw, do whatever it takes to come back from, I mean, even the most seemingly insurmountable odds and deficits uh, late in the game. And they did that again on Thursday against Coastal Carolina. They trailed late uh, in the third quarter or in the fourth quarter, I mean, and they ended up coming back and uh, I don't want to say running away, but they were in, it wasn't a last second win. They won 65 to 60. And in that game, uh, we had uh, uh, Mahogany Matthews, Abby Beeman and Rashayla Scott all putting up 17 points. So Mm -hmm. 51 of the 65 points, um, Mahogany Matthews had a double double, uh, ten rebounds to go along with that, uh, seventeen points. Just a great overall team effort. Then we had uh, Saturday's game against Texas State. Both of these were at home, by the way. They ended up losing sixty four to sixty, and this one they were actually ahead going into the fourth quarter <laughs> yeah and just worked against them just turn uh, about ended up losing again 64 to 60 and in that game we get down to it here Rochelle scott had 19 abby beeman had 12 sydney scott had 11 and then mahogany matthews had seven and shania wright had seven more spread out just could not bring home the victory, but again, they had won six in a row before that game. They are doing great job heading into what's coming up very soon. Conference championship. Yeah. They're 15 and 10 now after that one, Texas state's a pretty good team. They're an 18 and 17. So, you know, for, for everybody that's not following women's basketball, especially conference wide, you don't know who's, you know, really good and, and not, this was, this is not a bad loss for the herd. Right, because right. this is an eighteen-win team. Now, look, Texas State caught a little caught a little bit of fire in the fourth quarter, and that was ultimately the difference in the game. But uh, if if Marshall's got to be down at halftime to win, then um, okay, I'm good with that. You know, the first time we see them in a while be up at halftime, they ended up uh, not being able to close it out. But uh, we can't again say enough about what Tony Kemper and this staff is doing, these players bought in fully and, and they have been playing some good ball and I'm not going to let a one fourth quarter run by a, by a good Texas state team erase what we've seen over the last month, because it's been a really good turnaround 
and a really positive trajectory for this team. They just need to regroup and look forward to uh, heading on the road, making the Georgia swing next week. Uh, they got Georgia Southern on the 16th, and they got uh, Georgia State Saturday on the 18th. Uh, both of those teams, Georgia Southern's fairly similar to the herd. They're a 16 and 17. Marshall, like I said, is 15 and 10. Uh, Georgia State's a 10 and 17 ball club. So, look, this is a great opportunity to go on the road in the state of Georgia, come back home uh, with two wins before they have to face Old Dominion back at the cam in, in, on uh, February 22nd. So, uh, one and one on the week or since our last episode, but hey, you know, like I said, a fourth quarter run's not going to erase everything that we've seen over the last, you know, three, four weeks uh, of good that this herd women's basketball team's doing. No time like the present to go on a run and and uh, regroup after a loss. We just saw it, so let's see it again. Yeah, and a minute and a half to go in that game, Marshall and Texas State were tied 60 to 60, and yep. Marshall just could not hit anything at the at the end and uh texas state made four free throws is all it was over the last minute and a half so you know a basket here a basket there at the end just a a bounce difference uh a loose ball going their way a rebound going their way you know all that little thing we're talking about uh very likely seven straight wins heading into these games um i think and i have not gotten to go back and look uh, maybe you can try to check this out for me, but I think that uh, Georgia Southern was the team that uh, we were down 21 points in the fourth quarter, mid fourth quarter, and we scored 22 in a row and uh, ended up losing at the end on some horrible officiating. I can't believe that they let that blind lady out there to, to ref <laughs> that game, but uh, I mean, I felt bad for her and everything. Uh, next time she should bring a dog maybe, but um, it it was, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Georgia Southern. So it would be nice to see us play them and not get behind by 21. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and see what we could do there. <laughs> yeah. I'm not a hundred percent sure that that was a narrow loss. It was an 83 to 80 loss. That's the game. That's the okay. game. Yep. Going back, but look, credit to Texas state because in this game, they scored more points in each quarter as the game went along. They started out slow with just nine and ended with 25 points in the fourth quarter. That was totally the difference. Marshall still put up 19 points, but you lose by four, and they were outscored by six in the fourth quarter. So there's your difference right there. So, you know, this this team is is still very, very good and still getting better. So there's a, what did we see the last time there was a loss? We saw a six-game win streak. Yeah. Right. So, uh, like I said, this is a great opportunity to go on the road, get a couple of games in the state of Georgia, come back and uh, face a really good old Dominion team at the cam, which probably will be, I don't know, but I'm guessing that will be senior day. Maybe I think that's the home finale. They go on the road to close out the season um, at James Madison. So got to go, got to get these two here. All right, let's uh, keep it with uh, round ball and go over to the men's team. We recorded last week before that Louisiana game got played. Oh, and yeah. We, we ended up losing that game 77-67. to 67. Um, We just could not get it going. Taylor yeah. had Taylor had the worst game uh, in a herd uniform that he's had. Uh, that guy has no quit. He, had, he just could not buy a basket. And uh, he he just seemed off all game. And it wasn't just him. 
I'm just saying that because I want to talk about how well he did in the two games yeah. after that. Yeah. He came out and had his career best game against Coastal uh on Thursday where we blew them out of the water. It was 92 to 74, but it never seemed anywhere near that close. And then he had another terrific game on Saturday for Georgia State's uh uh, as the opponent, we won 88 to 77, went three and one on this uh, road trip for the last two weeks. But Taylor had two massive games. Kinsey had three massive games, 37 for a career high last night. Taylor, the, the game before, had 33 for his career high. I think it was his career high. Mm-hmm. So just a great job by, you know, he had. Kerfman was a little bit off last night at times. The other players picked him up and other games, you know, you've seen someone take a step backwards. Somebody's there to pick them up. Just playing some really good basketball. Love to have that Louisiana, Louisiana game back, but uh, I think that it'll look a lot different when we, if we do meet them in the postseason. Yeah, I want to go back to that game because that was a real showdown game. It was one one of the games that uh, probably was easily the game of the week in the conference for for that game. And Marshall was not really finding their groove. It was tough, and I was I was surprised that um, I don't want to say that we didn't get beat by more, but I am kind of surprised because we didn't play yeah. well at all. Played and, horribly, and, and we uh, only lost by ten. And if that's the um, the best that Louisiana can put up at home in a packed house where they have all the mo and everything's going their way. I like our chances on a neutral court. I yeah. really do. And you talked about uh, Andy Taylor having a rough night. It was really a rough night all the way around. It was it Taylor was. and Kerfman combined to go six of 25 for just 16 total points in the game. Mm-hmm. Tavion Kenzie was easily, the best player on the court for the herd with 28 points and 10 of 21 shooting. Yeah. And that, that was also billed as a, you know, showdown of potential conference players of the year mm-hmm. between, um, uh, Jordan Brown and Louisiana's Jordan Brown. Now, now Jordan Brown gets the win, but Kenzie puts up more points in an effort. They had more support. It was a more of a team effort and, and, uh, for the Cajuns, but, hey, Marshall got a big bounce back win. One thing I'd like to tell you also is that Louisiana, since getting that win, has gone on a two-game losing streak. Yeah. They lost to Southern Miss in an equally important game for the Cajuns. And then yesterday they took an L to Troy, Troy. and they didn't see that coming. Mm-hmm. So now all that has done is put us in a lock with them. Now they own the tiebreaker. But record-wise, we are even. We are even. In that game, Jordan Brown did uh, dominate the boards against us, and that's something that we've seen uh, in games that we've struggled in. We we have got to do better on rebounding. Uh, so just something to watch. But it's also been kind of alarming, too, that uh, uh, getting Micah Hand-Lockton into foul trouble, and I think that that is a direct result of uh, – uh, or the rebounds is a direct result of that. You know, when he's on the bench, our rebounding goes down quite a bit. Well, it wasn't just a, a quite a bit. I mean, that's that's putting it lightly. The herd was out rebounded forty-seven to twenty-five against the Cajuns. I mean, yeah. damn. 
And Jordan Brown went for uh, 27 or 26 points, 20 rebounds yeah. in that game. He and had 20 all, to our 25. Yeah. So they, they really had no answer for him, especially when uh, Han Lockton ha- was, you know, out of the game. But uh, still, all those things considered, think about that. You know, if, if the herd shoots a little bit better and if they decrease that disparity in rebounding, this is not a 10-point loss at all. It may be a one-point win or a two-point win, you know, depending. So it was just deficient. It was – I don't want to call it a perfect storm because Louisiana's good. They went out and won. They did what they were supposed to do. I'm not trying to say they're not good, but I'm just saying if Marshall has an average night in some of these categories where they had a below-average night, they might not lose this game. But – they come back against Coastal Carolina and go out in convincing fashion and get a big win, like you said, 92-74. to 74. And what was hilarious to me, some of those uh, Coastal Carolina fans that we follow and we follow each other on uh, Twitter, it was like, this is a freaking home game for the herd, man. <laughs> like, yeah. What the hell's going on? Like, hey, when it comes to Myrtle Beach and West Virginians, you might as well just realize, like, we will take over your venue, okay? We did it at the bowl game. And um, we'll probably do it next fall at the football game, you know, against Coastal. But uh, convincing comeback win in that one. And you mentioned again, Andy Taylor came out, had a career night, 33 points, 10 rebounds, double-double for him. Kerfman comes back and good bounce-back effort, scores 20. Kenzie gets 17. And then that brings us to last night's game, another dominant game against Georgia State, the team that the herd blew the freaking doors off of a couple of weeks ago. Uh, they get the win 88-77 to 77 behind a career high from Tavion Kinsey. 37 points on 12 of 19 shooting. He could not freaking miss. Uh, Andy Taylor goes for 26, and those guys do the, ma- the majority, the vast majority of the damage. I don't know what the point total is right now, what the countdown clock is, but it's got to be getting really small for Kinsey after that 37-point performance. Going into these last two games, I think it was 160 points away that he needed for the uh, the all-time record at Marshall, and he put up 37 and 15 maybe, so it's 52. I think he's about 108 away. Uh, so something definitely to watch. We've got uh, two games coming up here this week. Yeah, at at the cam, we need everybody to go to. I got a feeling that Saturday is probably going to be a sellout. I don't know. Hopefully, Thursday will be as well. Uh, it's harder to get people in for a uh, a weekend evening game. Uh, but if I were you, I would not let anything get in between me and getting those tickets right now. I'd try to get them as quickly as possible. Last two times to see Tavion Kinsey on our home court, barring anything like we go to a uh, the CBI or something yeah, like that. Something like that where we host a game. Yeah. Those last regular season games for Tavion Kinsey at the CAM, they're going to be special. I think that Troy game Saturday, which will be senior day, will probably be a sellout or really yeah. pushing it because folks are just want to, going to want to, you know, give him recognition. They're going to want to see him and the, and any other seniors that are walking in the senior ceremony. Um, Four games left on the schedule. The record is within reach, and there's still going to be a Sunbelt Conference tournament game, at least one game um, to boot. So five chances minimum for this record to go down. And if it's hovering right around 100 points, um, average nights for Tavion Kinsey will take down that record. Pretty impressive stuff. 
Now, I want to go back real quick before we move on uh, from the basketball, but that Louisiana game, I had tweeted this out at halftime of that game, but listen to this. We were beaten on the boards 26-11 to 11 in mm-hmm. the first half. Kerfman had zero shots. I'm not talking about made shots. He yeah. didn't attempt a shot, and he's a big part of our offense, just even stretching the defense out to be able to shoot from where he shoots, makes or not that pulls defenders out and opens things up. Taylor did not hit a shot until three seconds before the half ended. He hit that uh, three-pointer from right at the top uh, of the arc uh, as time was getting ready to run out. Louisiana was almost 50% from the field. It was like 48.7 or something like that, and we were down by eight going into the half. Yep. All of that. Yep. And Jordan Brown going for 20 and 20. And all that happened on a home court that was, for all intents and purposes, a sellout, I think, mm-hmm. for them. Uh, 5,500, 5,400, something like that. And all of that, they hit all of that just for us to be down by eight. And then it was basically a wash in the second half, as bad as we played. I just don't see us playing that bad again. Well, like I said, it was the perfect storm. Everything was yeah. going right for Louisiana. Two of your most prolific scores in this prolific scoring offense were basically non-factors in the first half of that game. And to only go into the half down eight, every herd fan on the planet was like, I will take that because yeah. this is kind of the worst of the worst scenario. Uh, I mean, Louisiana from the opening tip was just off and running. I mean, it seemed like they pushed out a 10 point lead almost immediately. And it's the herd just couldn't chip away at it enough. And they made a few runs and, and, and got it close a couple of times. But when you're not getting any scoring help from two of your biggest weapons that you rely on, obviously game in and game out, it just becomes almost insurmountable. And to only lose by 10, I think that that's, that's something to take note of and go, well, you know, with all these things that went wrong, this should have been way worse. So I'm not taking anything away from Louisiana. They did what they were supposed to do. I just don't think they're as good as uh, we are on a neutral court. I I will say that. I think if we have an average night or slightly above average night on uh, the style we play, I think we can beat this team by 10, you know, going away. Yeah. Yeah, they they ended up uh, going up almost immediately. And we never led in that game. Yeah. We we ended up, uh, they were up four to nothing. Uh, then they ended up stretching it up as high as 13 points and we would chip away and just never could seem to, to get that run that we needed. Uh, again, with several off nights being out rebounded. I hate to dwell on this game because we these just, are deciding we, factors. We just had two really good games after this. Yeah. I hate to keep going back to that, but. Again, how many of these games that we are winning by 18 or scrapping and winning by six or something were losses last year? Mm-hmm. And we're a 21-win team right now with four regular season games to go plus whatever we do in the postseason. Yeah, Just a, a really good season so far. Could you imagine sitting here two weeks from now or whatever going, this is a 25-win team, 25 yeah. wins up from, what, nine last year? 12, I thought. 12, okay. It ain't. It wasn't close to 25 or yeah. wasn't close to 21 right now. No, I haven't been in math classes in a long time, but that seems <laughs> like it's uh, less than half. Pretty far away. Anyway, yeah. 
Where are we going to next? Is that it? Uh, that's it for oh, uh, cool. taking us around the herd. So uh, let's get some final thoughts. Yeah. No, it was a lot of fun this week. I'm really glad that I got to go up to Leesburg. I really wanted to be able to go uh, see our softball team in person because, hey, man, being 880 miles away from uh, Huntington, West Virginia, it's often tough to see the herd play live. You yeah. know, they they rarely come to me. And I felt like it's the least I can do. I'm off work. The least I can do is drive an hour up the road if they've made the line share of mileage. Yep. And, and it was a great, great time. I'm so glad I went. My wife had a great time. We took Cooper. He was living the dream, running around four different softball fields, just doing what little kids do. It was a lot of fun. Uh, the crowd was energetic. Um, it was a good showing. It was a fun tournament. Uh, the, some of those fan bases from some of those teams you can tell that they use this as an excuse to get to florida in february you know like the michigans the minnesotas like yeah. there's a large contingency of people and they're like you know what it's like a degree where we're at let's go to let's go to florida and it wasn't super hot it was uh just just temperate it was nice uh this team is so fun to watch uh I can't, I can't, I just can't say that enough. You got to yeah. get out there and support them. It's so fun. So I'm really glad I got to do that. I'm looking forward to what we got coming up, things we're going to be talking about, uh, both, you know, surrounding herd athletics and what we are working on and trying to uh, expand. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. No cats out of the bag, but um, Thundercast is looking to enhance the fan experience even further in 2023. We put that on social media a while back, but uh, those weren't just, that wasn't just a tweet. Like our creative gears are churning, much like they always do when it, when Russ and I uh, get together and work on projects. So excited about that, Russ. Let me have your final thoughts. If you got nothing, let's take us heck out of here. Yeah, I want to talk a little bit about our title sponsor, 304carwreck.com. I uh, ended up having to consult with uh, with these uh, gentlemen here recently, and uh, they are just packed with knowledge 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 this is what they do is is vehicle accidents and dealing with the laws around that so if you guys ever have any kind of situation where you're unfortunately hurt in a wreck and you need to have someone help you please do not hesitate do not talk to the insurance uh, companies and the adjusters alone let 304 car wreck talk to them for you uh, you will not be sorry. Uh, 304carwreck.com. They have been with us since before day one. They were here day zero. So show them some love. They've uh, they've made this show possible. And anytime you or someone you know gets hurt in a wreck, please give them a call. And that's it. That's it. <laughs> that's, that's it. it. Yeah, yep. that's my that's my final word. So. I'll go ahead and take us out of here by saying if you see us at the Joan, if you see us at the Dot, if you see us all the way down in Leesburg, Florida, no matter where you see us, we're going to be saying, go herd. Go herd. It's the Thundercast. We'll see you next week. Later. Later.